Man, it's really too bad we don't have anything going on, right? <laughs> I'm so glad that you joined us here in person today. Um, actually, this is our first in-person gathering for 2022, so uh, welcome to those who are here in person. Welcome to you who are joining us online. Um, just so glad that you're here with us today. I'm really excited to kick off this, this brand new year, um, this brand new series called Origins, uh, where we're looking at the origin of the church. So 30 years, a, a lot can happen in 30 years. So I want to do a little time travel uh, this morning and take us back to the year 1992. Um, maybe some of you weren't alive in 1992, but I'm going to travel back to 1992. And, and just to demonstrate how much can change over 30 years. And, and one of those really tangible ways to demonstrate how much things can change in 30 years is the fact that the Washington Redskins, I mean the Washington football team, won the Super Bowl in 1992. Now, a lot can change in 30 years. Microsoft released uh, Microsoft Works in 1992 and Microsoft uh, 3.1. I, I had a Macintosh on my desk in 1992 that looked a lot like the eye, the, um, the eye tester at the DMV. In 1992, Barney and Friends debuts, Silence of the Lambs won Best Picture, Jay Leno replaces a retiring Johnny Carson on The Tonight Show, Disney releases its animated version of Aladdin, that was the animated version, not the real life version of Aladdin, Bill Clinton is elected president, CDs outsell Cassette, audio cassettes for the first year in 1992, and Kyrie Irving and Miley Cyrus are born in 1992. A lot, a lot can happen in 30 years, and, and maybe, again, if you've been alive for at least 30 years, just think about where you were 30 years ago. I, I, for me, I was living in St. Louis. I was finishing up my final semester of law school. Uh, Wendy and I had married, been married for just over four years, and we were talking about starting a family, and I had hair. <laughs> a lot can change in 30 years. We're looking forward to spending most of this year looking at what happened over a 30-year period. We're, we're going to follow a small group of men and women with little formal education and no influence, who were subject to the rule of a cruel and corrupt foreign regime and a broken religious system, who had abandoned everything to follow a man they believed to be the Messiah. This group of men and women spent three years with this teacher named Jesus, believing that he would overthrow Rome but to be disappointed in the fact that he would be unjustly crucified on a cross. Now think about that for a moment. This group of men and women had followed him for three years, believing that he was going to overthrow Rome, and they watched this Roman government crucify him on the cross. It should have been movement over. It should have been done at that point. I mean, this person that was supposed to overthrow Rome is now dead. So what happened? Well, 
what we believe happened is that this man named Jesus rose from the dead three days later. And he comes back to life and he spends time with this small group of men and women about 40 days. And he opens their eyes to the fact of why he has really come. Even though for all of these three years he's been trying to tell them why he's come. He didn't come to free people from Roman rule. He didn't come to free the Jewish people from Roman rule. His purpose was so much greater than this. It was to release anyone and everyone who would believe in him from the consequences of sin, which is death and separation. It was to reconcile all who had been separated from God, which is all of us, to experience this life as it was meant to be lived. It was to give anyone who would believe in him the promise and hope of life forever with God with no more tears. No more pain and no more death. And it was to give those followers and us who would believe in him and follow him a purpose and a mission to share this good news with everyone everywhere. And, best of all, he doesn't leave them alone in this. He promises he will be with them always. And that would be the presence of God with each person who believes in him and calls him Savior and Lord. We're going to see how this very ordinary group of men and women, empowered by the very Spirit of God, will forever change the world. We're going to witness the origin of the church. And some of what happened over this 30-year period has been recorded for us in this amazing narrative, this amazing travel journal called Acts. And it was carefully documented by a guy by the name of Luke, a follower of Jesus. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Luke. We know that the Apostle Paul, in one of his letters, refers to him as a physician. So somehow he was medically trained. Many people believe that he was a Gentile, that he was a non-Jewish follower of Jesus, that he wasn't actually one of the original apostles, that he came to know Jesus a little bit later. Um, a lot of people think that he came from the church at Antioch, which we will talk about. But this person, this man Luke, will write two books of the Bible two books of the New Testament that really comprise almost 25% of the New Testament. And he writes both of these books to someone named Theophilus, which, again, we really don't know who this is. It's a Greek name, probably a Gentile, so that he may better understand who Jesus is. And this is how Luke begins the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, he says this, in the first book, O Theophilus, which is, by the way, his gospel, Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. After that, after he had been given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Like I said, Luke's first book was the Gospel of Luke, the 
the narrative of who Jesus is. And like he said, he wrote that to begin to talk about what Jesus began to do and to teach. And in this second book, the second book is all about what Jesus, what comes afterwards because of what Jesus had done and what he had taught right after he ascended into heaven. And this morning, what I want to do is just give a really high-level overview of the book of Acts. And then also just give all of us as a church a few challenges related to this. So let's talk a little bit about this book called Acts. First and foremost, I think it's important to note who is at work in this book. Now, I... You know, I don't want to go against like the originators of script, like who put scripture together and titled it. But if you look in your Bible, most Bibles in the table of contents or even in the book itself will have the title for this book called Acts of the Apostles. I would push back against that a little bit. I don't think that that's really a great working title for what Acts is. Acts is really acts of the Holy Spirit. You, you see, Jesus is still the central figure of the book of Acts, but the Holy Spirit is continually push it, pointing people to him. When, and we've not talked a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And so what we're going to do to set up this look at the book of Acts is we're going to spend the next three Sundays focusing in and understanding who the Holy Spirit is and, and what the Holy Spirit does and how we see the Holy Spirit working in Scripture. So we're going to spend the next three Sundays looking to set the table for this study on the book of Acts because he is the one who's working and moving through this book. It's not until the Holy Spirit comes do the followers, this small group of ordinary people, really get it and, and, and are emboldened to do some amazing things that we will read in the book of Acts. And it's the Holy Spirit who leads throughout this entire book. Even though he may not be specifically mentioned all the time, he's the one who's working and moving throughout the entire book. As you will see, there are so many times in this book where things could have gone sideways when it came to the church. It could have been all over, but the Holy Spirit continues to move and sustain and work through this ordinary group of men and women. The second thing I think it's important for us to note as we go through this book, there's been a lot of back and forth when it comes to this book of Acts as to whether or not the things that we find in the book of Acts are prescriptive or descriptive. And what I mean by prescriptive and descriptive, prescriptive is the idea of this is the, this is the way it should be. This is kind of the, the formula or the model for how church should be done. Or is it simply just a description of what happened then in that first century? And I think the answer to this question is it's both. The book of Acts is both prescriptive and descriptive. Let me illustrate it this way. My microwave broke la uh, last week. And so I was like, I don't really want to pay for a new microwave. So I did what any, like, what I usually do is I went to that great resource, YouTube, 
and, and I put in, how do I fix my microwave when it just completely doesn't work? And sure enough, there's a video about my microwave, exactly what I needed to do to fix my microwave. Now, that is prescriptive. What the step-by-step -step instructions of how to remove the panel and what fuse to look for, that's prescriptive. If I hadn't followed to remove the panel in the way I did, it wouldn't have worked. And there's other aspects of my microwave that are also prescriptive, like don't put metal in it and turn it on. Or, or don't dry your small household pet in your microwave. Like those are, those are bad ideas. Those are prescriptive. But, but there's a descriptive part of my microwave too. My microwave is above my stove. That's just a description. It doesn't mean that your microwave should be above your stove. That's just where my microwave is. Or my microwave is black and silver. And maybe your microwave is black and silver or not, but that's just a description of what my microwave is. There are parts of this book that are prescriptive. It's meant to be followed like the mission of the church. That doesn't change. That is prescriptive. But there are also parts of this book that are descriptive. The fact that the church met in homes and in the temple courts doesn't mean that the church should always just meet in homes in the temple court. I don't know where you would go for the temple courts here. And there are some who will say that well, the church needs to get back to the, the way that things were in the book of Acts. And, and there's probably some truth to that. Which leads me to my next point. The, the Acts is a book that really connects with us both corporately as a body and personally as individuals. The book of Acts is about the birth of the church. It's the church is the people. It's not the place. It, it, it's the people of God set free from the bondage of sin by what Jesus has done on the cross and empowered by his spirit to share the good news with everyone. It, it's a new community of people, not identified by geography or nationality or ethnicity or an allegiance to a person, a political leader. But it's but a people that are unified by a new identity in Jesus through the Holy Spirit and, and by a common mission to share this good news with everyone. It's a corporate. It's about the church corporately, but it's also about us as individuals. It's about each person. Everyone has a choice to make and a role to play in what God is doing God's Spirit moves in each person to point them to Jesus and, and make them more like Jesus, and then he gifts them to spread this good news of his kingdom to everyone. You, you see, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. Hear me in this. Jesus did not come to start a religion. He came to invite us into a relationship with him. And for us to share that opportunity with everyone as well. The last thing I want to say generally about the book of Acts is as you read, as we read through this book and we get to the final chapter, it becomes very evident that this book is left unfinished. It's open-ended. And I would even argue that this book is still being written. And that we are a part 
of the story. Here's, here's what I hope that will happen for us. This is the challenge part that I want to give to us as the church this morning. It's this. It just some simple words. The first word is this, come. Whether you are able to come in person or join us online, join us each week. And, and since this book is written in a narrative and chronologically, it's going to be really important that you try to connect and engage with this story. You may miss a few weeks and then we jump from the church being in Jerusalem and all of a sudden we're all the way across the world talking about some other place. And so come, be a part of what's happening, not just for that reason, but really because we need each other. God designed his church to be experienced in community with each other, and that really starts with Sundays. It's something that we see throughout the entire book of Acts is how much they spent time together. And, and here's the other thing. A lot of times what we do is we view church as what we can get from it, you know? We, we, we view this time together, this, this Sunday experience, as far as what we can get from it. And, and, and when we approach it that way, often we become critics. You know, music was too loud, it was too fast, it was too slow, it wasn't songs that I liked. The guy that was speaking, he was dry, he was boring, he spoke too long. You know, we become critics when we come for what we can get from it, but church was never designed to be what we can get from it, it's always what we could give to it. That's the way this community was created, it's about what we can give, not so much what we can get and, and I, my hope is through this series that we will come with the posture and the attitude of, of the other, of looking out for opportunities to be able to engage with and to meet the needs of the other. Maybe it's somebody sitting in your section, maybe it's somebody that you walk past in the hallway, but that our eyes and our bent would be towards the other through this, and that's why we gather and that's why we come. The, the second challenge is this, is read, and you saw that in the announcement in we really want you to read, and I want to set up the why of the read before I get to the what of the read. I believe, I believe that what's contained in this book are the words of God. I believe that they were written by human hand, but they were divinely inspired by God. And I believe that the primary way that God speaks through us is through his word. I think that's the primary way that he talks to us is through this word. I believe that it is living. I believe that it is breathing. I, I believe that there's times that I can sit down and read a passage at one season of my life, and I can read the exact same passage in a different season, and it connects with me in a different way. That's the way it's kind of living and breathing. And, and I believe that there's a connectedness that we need to have to his word, not out of some kind of obligation or some kind of like check the box kind of a thing. I, I mean, if we really believed that this is how the creator of the universe communicates to us, wouldn't we want to be connected to this? I mean, wouldn't we want to like read it and absorb it? Like this be a part, a central part of, I mean, if we really, really believe that, wouldn't we want to know? And I know this can be intimidating. It's, it's not really a book. It's a collection of books. And it's written in, in, in languages and ways. Sometimes it's, it's really hard to understand. I understand that. 
I, I get that. There are parts that I read sometimes and I'm like, I, I don't understand what I just read. But that's not an excuse for not reading it. And, and I think that we need to be engaged and involved. If we spent, I, I'm convinced of this, and this is my own confession. If I spent as much time in, in, in God's word each day as I do scrolling through other things and reading other things, I'm, con- I'm convinced that I, I would be different. My approach to life would be radically different. Man, I hope that this, if nothing I mean, I hope there's a lot of things that happen this year, but if nothing else comes out of this year, that, that we would develop, develop a love and a passion for reading God's word and realizing that it's God speaking to us. The, the second reason that I think the why behind this is, this is, like, this is like the standard, right? This is like, we believe that this contains truth and you know, a lot of times we'll listen to other, including whoever stands on this stage and teaches, I always want to be like the plumb line for anything that we share or teach or anything that you listen to and teach should always be checked out in God's word. It's something that you should always look at. You know, we're not coming up here to try to deceive you or to try to manipulate you in any way. That's not our heart or intent. But, but we're flawed. We're, I mean, we want you to read this for yourself. And and there's a lot of junk out there right now. There's a lot of people that are claiming to to preach the truth, to preach the gospel, and it's just not the gospel. It's not the good news. it's It's a false narrative of what the truth is, and the only way sometimes to discern that is to be in this. And so that's really the two reasons why I want us to be in the Word. So this is what we've done. For every person who comes to South Point, um, we've purchased the book of Acts. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an Acts journal. It's, it's very much like the, uh, the John journals that we provided last year, but we've bought a lot more of those. And, and basically what it does is it has, it has the scripture on one side and has a blank page on the other just for being able to note take. Um, and, and we want to give these to you. Um, they're available back here at Connection Point. And just to take these and have these with you, to use these, whether you take notes on Sunday, just take these home with you and read them. We're going to spend the entire year in this book, and so just have this as our gift to you, to use, to read. There are large parts of this book that are narrative, and so we're not going to spend a lot of time, especially as we get towards the end of the book, reading each week large passages of Scripture, and so we're going to encourage you to read sections of scripture before you come in we'll put reminders up there and just have you read those before you come in so just again to be able to engage and read with the text itself take notes ask questions it's really really good and the third and final thing is like was mentioned in the video dustin's going to be leading a how to read the bible class after the second service starting today it's a four-week class here on campus immediately following the second service I would encourage you to be a part of that. Again, like he said, it's not just for people who are new to Scripture. It's for anybody. We went through this. Um, I, I took a group through this uh, over, I mean, probably been more than a year ago. Uh, there are pieces of it that, that, that were just really, really helpful to understand. And, and so I hope that you'll take advantage of that. And, and maybe this four-week period doesn't work for you. 
if this four-week period doesn't work for you or today doesn't work for you, jump in the class at some point. Um, or just note on your card, I would love to, I, I just can't do the how to read the Bible. Note that on your Connect card. We'll offer another one. We just really want to equip every person to be able to read the scriptures. The third word that I want to share this morning is pray. It is probably the most recurrent theme that you see throughout the book of Acts is how many times people in the book of Acts pray. They're constantly seeking what God would want, what the, how the Spirit is going to move. And I shared with us, with the church, back in September, that the vision that we really want to become a praying church, not just a church that prays, but a praying church, and we really want to work more towards that this year. And as you saw in the video, we're going to have a prayer night coming up. We're going to offer several of those throughout the year. It's just an opportunity for us to come together to just seek God together. That's what's going to happen on that Friday on the 21st. We're just going to come together, seek God together. We, we, offer, we, we come together on Sunday mornings before this service and pray, and anybody is welcome to do that. Just, just come. We have a circle that's set up right over here, and, and we just spend time seeking God for that particular morning, for the needs that we know are in the part of the community. We just spend time praying. And, and we pray after church. As well, there'll be people over here on this side by the ramp after this service and after the next service to pray with anybody who wants to be prayed for this morning. But, but more than just the formality of that, I, I would love to be a church that just when a concern is mentioned, like someone just says, hey, I'm going through a rough time, just stop right there and pray for them. It doesn't have to be anything formal. It just, it's a conversation with God. You're interceding for that person. You're asking for God to work and move in that person's life. And, and I wish that that would be our first response, rather than giving advice or, you know, consoling. And that should be part, I mean, consoling should be part of that. I'm not saying just, oh, I'm just going to pray for you and then walk away. But pray. Seek God on behalf of each other, one another. And, and the more important part of the praying is the listening. And man, I hope that we become a community of people that just sit and listen to where God is leading us. Because that is what reflects our dependence on him. We can talk about how much we're dependent on God, but if we're never listening to him, if we're not communicating to him, then we're just basically doing our own thing and we're just sprinkling God in every once in a while. Prayer. The fourth word is seek. And this is just simply to see what God wants from you this year. That you would earnestly seek him. What, what does God want to do in your life this year? You know? And, and maybe what God wants to do in your life this year is not just for you. <laughs> maybe it's for somebody else. But, but seek him. Se seek him in what does he want you to say to those who are in your circle, whether that be your family or whether that be your coworkers or whether that be your neighbors. Seek him. To see what he wants to do in your neighborhood, in your community that you live in. The, the, the people that are closest to you. Seek him in that. See, seek him in opportunities to participate in what God's already doing. And that, again, comes back to prayer. 
because all of us are supposed to be part of the mission of the church. And the last word I want to share with you this morning is participate. Participate. Just join in in what God is doing. Invest in being a part of a smaller community of people. We just listed like 20 opportunities, not that many really, but just different ways to be a part of a smaller group. Be a part of a smaller group of people, even if it's just for a short term. Again, even if it's not for you, for the benefit of those that are a part of that group, because we all benefit from one another. I, man, I love my home group. My home group, and I, I tell them this all the time, my home group is like our family. We depend on them. We, we share prayer, we share our requests, we share our lives together. And I want that for everybody. I want everybody to have that kind of an experience with their small group, with a small group of people that you can grow close to one another and you can grow closer to Jesus at the same time and, and, and to serve. Participate by serving. And that doesn't necessarily have to be here on a Sunday morning, although we could always, we always want everyone to be a part of what God is doing here and to be a part of uh, of making a difference in the lives of others, but, but serve, <laughs> participate by serving. It, what that does is it helps us keep our eyes off ourselves, and it refocuses our attention on others. And it fulfills the, the fact that, that church is a team sport. There, there are no superstars in church. It's, it's all of us together working together. What we're going to see in Acts is this, that following Jesus isn't passive. Our faith and our belief in who Jesus is and what he has done should move us into action. It it is the best news ever. And, and it should motivate us, it should, it should inspire us to want to share that with everybody that we see. It, let, me, let me just, let me say this. You know what this ordinary group of men and women did? They, they turned the world upside down in 30 years. I would argue that this 30-year period is probably the most significant 30 years in probably almost all of history. And it's not the fact that these men and women did this. It's the Holy Spirit working through this group of men and women. But, But get this. You know, sometimes I know there's a hesitancy to share our faith because we don't think that we know enough. Consider this, the the Bible, the New Testament, wasn't written until 300 years after this 30-year period. You know what they shared? They just shared Jesus. They just shared who Jesus was to people. They ran around, they went from town to town to place to place to neighbors friends and they just shared you won't believe who this Jesus is and what he's done for me that's all they did 
And, and through that testimony, through that witness, through that sharing, they changed the world. Just, just imagine what that would be like today. Now, they had a common language, and they had, you know, the Roman roads, and they were able to get around to places. That's the timing of this that I'm not going to get into this morning, the, the perfect timing of how quickly this spread. I mean, just think about what we have today. <laughs> if God's people could get a line on God's mission and God's purpose to be able to share this amazing good news with everyone. Man, I hope you join us. I hope you're a part of this. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, man, I'm, my kids hate when I say this. I'm jazzed. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, you are awesome, and I love you. And Father, I'm just excited to see how you're going to work and move in your church. God, I just pray that you would continue to uh, move us, to make us more like you, to fall more deeply in love with Jesus, that we would continue to keep Jesus the center of everything that we say and do. Father, that we would not allow distraction or division or anything to keep us from doing what you have called us to do as your church. Father, that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, that we would rely and depend on you, that we would trust that you are in control of all things. And Father, that you would work and move as only you can. God, I pray if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know you, Father, or anybody who's watching online that doesn't know you, I pray that they would come to know you, Father, that they would come to know who Jesus is. Father, help us to continue to show and to share who Jesus is and keep him where he belongs first in our lives. It's in his name I pray, amen.